All right, welcome back to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you all continuing to listen to these and give us feedback. We would love to answer some of your questions, so if you have those, please feel free to shoot us an email or send us a direct message on social media, lots of different ways to reach out to us, or just, i tell you what, just text Ben. His phone number is, I'm kidding, I wouldn't do that. Well, I might do that, but um, at any rate, the email that you can send a podcast question to is info at owensrecoveryscience.com. That's info at owensrecoveryscience.com. And just put podcast question in the subject or something like that. Or like I said, shoot us a DM on social media. Any, any of those work for us just fine. So we'd love to answer those questions for you. Today's episode, we have Todd Schroeder from USC or the University of Southern California out here on the West Coast where, where I am as well. And I think you guys will enjoy this conversation that Johnny and I have with Todd around the work that he has done in BFR exercise with the hamstrings, which is pretty unique because I don't I'd actually I don't know that there is any study that's done an isolated hamstring exercise intervention and compared against heavy load. So it will be a, a unique paper when it comes out from from that respect. So hope you enjoy and I will kick it over to Jimmy McKay to start us off. This is the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Hosted by physical therapist, Johnny Owens. All right, welcome back to another Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Johnny Owens here with my West Coast man, Kyle Kimbrell. Beard's getting grayer, beard's getting longer. The hair, the counterpart? Yeah, counterpart. Aren't, aren't I a counterpart by now? No, nah, you, you got to work your you way up. You didn't like you're, that still, you're still the, the social media stalker. They wouldn't leave me alone. <laughs> uh, I think my beard, my beard's, this is just from the coronavirus pandemic. It'll go back like whatever red bef- afterwards, right? No, I, I, I believe that's called age. So I'm telling myself. So anyways, <laughs> moving on, we have uh, another awesome guest today. Uh, a good friend of mine, Todd Schroeder, who is a PhD. He's a professor out at University of Southern California. So he's out there on, on the West Coast, Best Coast, whoever you want to call it, um, with you, Kyle. So let me just get into Todd's bio real quick. He did his undergraduate degree in physiology at UC Davis, got his master's in sports medicine um, from University Pacific. Cool, man. Our, our, our boy Todd Davenport's place. Yeah. Um, also got his PhD in biokinesiology from the University of Southern California. Um, he's at the USC Keck School of Medicine. Uh, he's a full-time faculty uh, professor at the USC Division of Biokinesiology and Physical Therapy. He's also director of the USC Clinical Exercise Research Center, um, which we definitely want to talk about a lot of the cool things they're doing there. He, he studies the effects of exercise and um, also looks quite a bit into uh, the, the hormone and anabolic kind of responses for health and disease. He's also a partner with the Jordan brands, which we're a partner as well. And I kind of want to talk about this to create the Jordan Flight Lab at Jumpman LA in Los Angeles. And the Flight Lab is dedicated to using innovation and technology to teach students, train athletes, and expose inner city kids to the world of sports science. 
also going to get into, he just finished a, a BFR study um, that, that we've been kind of working together on and, and got some pretty interesting results from it. And he and I are also in the deep bowels of writing a, a massive NFL multi-center grant, which we'll talk about as well. And, and that is causing more gray hair on me than, than I'd like to, and, and lots of late night drinking and, <laughs> and questioning, why am I doing this type thing? So Todd, good to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here and uh, fun to talk about this stuff. And so looking forward to it. Cool, man. So why don't you, um, let's jump into this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do at USC, your your sports science lab, which I think people, a lot of them are probably pretty envious of what you have and also other things you have like K2 and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I've been at USC now as faculty for about 20 years. Sounds, sounds like a long time. <laughs> and uh, director of the Clinical Exercise Research Center, where, you know, really we're focused on uh, the interventions of using exercise, primarily resistance training, some aerobic training, but also with pharmacologic intervention uh, with both healthy and injured populations, as well as elite athletes. So we kind of touch on everything and uh, whether they're clinical trials, sometimes, you know, they're just pilot data. Uh, we have a strong PhD and master's program, both in biokinesiology and recently started what we offer is a sports science emphasis for the master's program. And we're getting a lot of traction, a lot of interest with that, just as you guys know, with the development of technology and wearables and you know sports teams looking for someone that understands the data and can make it actionable and communicate between the coaches and the athletic medicine side of things and uh, so we're really trying to build out that program and and educate students so they can go out and get jobs in that field and uh, but we also, you know, a lot of our work is uh, in-depth research and a lot of clinical trials, mostly human research. Some of the faculty in our division will work with, you know, animal models, but I specifically work with humans and we do a lot of, you know, resistance training trials. I work with orthopedic surgeons, endocrinologists, uh, gerontologists, and, uh, you know, my, my specific area kind of got known for doing uh, basically steroid or androgen studies in older adults trying to improve muscle mass and strength. So I've got a strong background in, you know, how does exercise and testosterone supplementation or growth hormone affect the body? You know, everyone says, oh, you give steroids, you get bigger, right? You don't need to do, you know, research to figure that out. But there, there is a lot to understand with that that we still don't know just because bodybuilders know how to stack and use hormones uh, you know, the research isn't well defined with that. And there's billions of dollars put into it every year in the pharmaceutical industry. So uh, I've had a lot of fun with that, but I do a lot of technology. And that's how I got, you know, introduced to you was through Dr. Mm -hmm. Drew Marcos when I so yeah, you hey, said you don't wanna... work with animals, but you kind of do because you work with Drew Marcos. So. Well, yeah, he is one one crazy hairy animal, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's a good guy, but uh, you know, he introduced me to you because I was talking about BFR work when uh, I was out at the Rams and and saw how they were using blood flow restriction with their players more on the conditioning side, not necessarily even yeah. for the rehab. And I'm like, wow, that's great. You know, and, and we started talking and came up with an idea to do a study uh, looking at eccentric training and lo localized it to the hamstrings. And that's, you know, Drew connected with me with you. And you said, yeah, this would be great. And 
so that's kind of how we got started with things in blood flow restriction. And what was that about three, three years ago, maybe? Uh, uh, yeah, man, I think three, maybe four. It's been a yeah, while. Could've... It took a while. Yeah. Could have yeah, been four, sure. and uh, but you know, and and so my students obviously got all excited about blood flow restriction, and because I teach, you know, I am not a physical therapist, but I teach to physical therapy students and work with physical therapists, and you know, they're they're all excited about learning more about blood flow restriction, and then here I am doing a study, and so they're all coming to me. Should we use this in our clinic? And I'm like, hey, there's great data to support it, and. You know, yeah. so now they're uh, jumping on and using it in their clinics, which is great. That's why, I, so Kyle and I are guest lecturers out there at USC. And I know the first time I taught there, they were, they were like so enthusiastic. And I was, I felt like a rock star because they were so into it. And I also got to say, none of this is going to be on an exam, I was told. So you guys just sit back and, and have fun. Oh, uh, it's <laughs> always the, the best. best class I've ever had, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to rag on you guys because my Longhorns, you know, were, are still up on y'all from that Rose Bowl game. So oh, that's that still was my hurts starting me. slide. I, I had a picture <laughs> of the scoreboard. You know, my my uh, brother-in-law was at UT at the time, and he and his family came and stayed at my house in South Pasadena, which is pretty much walking distance to the Rose Bowl for that game. That's really I, cool. They didn't so. get me a ticket. I had to sit at home. They went to the <laughs> game, and I was sure USC was going to win, and it was it was terrible. Yeah. They came back right. all happy, and I made dinner for them. <laughs> so, um, I got, I got to watch that game with my cousin, who's a huge USC fan, but I watched it live, and he had to watch it on record. So I got to sit there knowing the outcome, watching his reaction. It was the best thing ever. Wow. <laughs> Wow. One of the best ball games of all time. Man. It was. Um, it was. Fortunately, we we haven't been able to get back to any any of that glory in a long time. Yeah. What What about K two? Um, you just want to touch base, kind of, on what K two is. And yeah. So, uh, you know, I have a, a private uh, company called K two Sciences, where we uh, basically validate, test as a third party uh, health and fitness products, and we do that for you know anything from the garage entrepreneur to large companies like Under Armour, Nautilus, Nike, and, you know, all these companies that develop products, they want evaluations of that product outside. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of fun with that exposure to probably over 75 different companies we've worked with testing their products over the last 10 years and, and uh, get exposed to new technology, um, you know, new designs. Sometimes we're just consulting in design, but it's a lot of fun to get a new product test it, see if it really works. And, you know, we've done everything from, you know, drinks that, you know, might make you stronger, which is bubbly water to, you know, uh, instrumented helmets to cooling vest to, uh, you know, uh, new bikes or ab, you know, machines and all kinds of stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. And so it allows my students also to get exposure to the different methodologies we can use for testing products, whether it's EMG, MRI, metabolic testing, strength testing, and all kinds of different things. I know a lot of the teams hit me up all the time asking, them, you know, they're getting hit left and right with new technology. So I'm just going to start forwarding them all to you because yeah, well, pretty much all the time, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I, I get that now people come to me, Hey, what do you think about this product? I'm like, you know, I've never seen it before. Um, but you know, if they're interested in us taking a look at it, we can. And, 
And uh, so we, you know, have a lot of fun with that. And like I said, sometimes you're surprised something works really well and you don't think it's going to work at all. Other times, you know, everyone's sure it's going to work and it doesn't. So. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad it looks like ours worked, even though we weren't sending it to you for K2. It was more of a research collaboration, but yeah, right, right. I would have sucked if Todd would have been like, <laughs> yeah, this thing's garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. And then also, I guess that's a segue into, into Jumpman. So you want to talk about that? Because yeah, so involved you know, with that. yeah, our uh, Jumpman uh, LA is a partnership that we developed uh, Dr. Susan Sigward, a biomechanist at USC, kind of my partner with that. We were looking for some space to set up an outside lab just so we can have more of the public in and expose sports science uh, to the public and to kids, really, uh, youngsters. And uh, we were looking for space and just uh, happened to get introduced to the uh, West Coast director of uh, Jordan brand, which was developing new facility. He said, you know what, I've got some space and let me show it to you guys. And, you know, that's kind of where it all began. And they were willing to provide us the space, even um, outfit it with equipment. Uh, so we didn't have to pay for that. And uh, it's really a great collaboration it's developed. And that's how we you know, got you guys involved with having uh you know, blood flow restriction there. And we've got force plates and metabolic testing, but it's really a place that we bring in uh, kids from schools. Um, some of them are Jordan sponsored schools, uh, athletes, others though, are just, you know, um, uh, schools that just don't have opportunities like other kids might. And we bring them through, we show them what sports science is and let them do some tests. Sometimes we'll bring professional athletes there. They get to meet them and train with them because we have a, a full outdoor basketball court on the top floor. And, you know, our the flight basketball was, courts in the world, right? Well, yeah. In the dark, lit up from the bottom. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was a, a, an old glass basketball court that had LED lighting in it. We had to change out the glass court, though, because it was shattering um, <laughs> uh, in some instances, which uh, was unfortunate. Not that anyone got hurt, but it shatters like a, a windshield type thing. And oh, I, I need to apologize for that. I was I was up. Oh, there. was that? You was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's a weight limit, dude. Oh, that was the problem. No, it was for that. Yeah, yeah. It was Too my much pops. Hanging, hanging on the rim, but you know, that's, that's been an outstanding relationship with Jordan Brand, and we've got all these things we've been developing uh, with them for programs for kids from high school teams, college, and then, of course, we do, you know, bring in things for professional athletes and, and celebrities that want to do stuff there, and because and, the bottom floor is a, a foot action, it's a, a Jordan-only store, which is fun. People can shop downstairs and come up yeah, and yeah. experience the flight lab. Yeah, it's cool. And I, I'm the only one out of our group that hasn't even got to freaking go there yet. So <laughs> I, I was supposed to go last year when I was going to teach at USC, and we were going to do like a have a you know like almost like a do like hanging out with a bunch of friends, meet and greet, yeah. and and. Uh, this some weird virus happens and stay tuned that's gonna we're gonna make that happen one of these days <laughs> we, right, we will we can throw a big big party get a dj there and everything oh, yeah. let's do it man i'll wear a white belt like drew morcos did in his <laughs> piece <today>. <laughs> <laughs> unless yeah. you're like under 10 or you're from europe you don't wear a white belt with with black clothes <laughs> come yeah. on that's great. Drew. Drew out. <laughs> gotta make sure you listen to this. 
Yeah. Well, Drew, oh, Drew's the guy. Drew got me wearing Jordans before I even had the relationship with Jordan brand. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, so. I don't know. I've, I've got too much gray hair to wear Jordans anymore. Ah, uh, yeah. Good and stuff. I'm not I'm not West Coast, you know. I'm in Texas. Yeah. We get laughed we'll, at if we we'll get you out there though. We've actually been closed all through the pandemic, the flight lab, and we're just starting to open up to get our students in there to train them again on some of the uh, unique stuff we have from you know virtual reality instrumented treadmills to use of BFR to uh, force plates and EMG and all that good stuff. I think you have, yeah, you have so, a Humac in there as well. I can't remember if there was um a yes. Yeah, yeah. So and we humac in there. There's yeah. The, uh, is, is it the CME motion capture stuff? You CME have motion too? capture, Synaptec oh, stuff. Everything. Um, yeah, we've got all kinds of fun technology, and yeah. and we kind of change it out too to expose people to different things. And, yeah. Well, if if you haven't seen it, go to the website. It's super cool. Um, what stuff they have in there. And if you're in LA and they open up, I, I would definitely recommend checking that place out. I, I plan to. So. Cool, man. We'll segue in on to other pro sport type things. So I, I kind of mentioned earlier, we're, we're in the middle of writing. We got invited by the NFL to submit a full proposal for an NFL BFR hamstring study. Um, it looks like we're going to have uh, the Pac-12 and SEC involved. We can get all the teams to, to, to sign up and agree, which I've, I've got to call right after this with all the SEC. Uh, but I, th I think we're going to get them all. Um, and so we've seen some, obviously, you know, we see promise with what BFR can do post-operatively and, and for sparing uh, muscle loss or putting muscle on, et cetera. Um, but then I kind of want to segue part of where we started looking at this and, and why, you know, I reached out to you right away was, was going over what you saw with, with your hamstring trial. Um, so you, you kind of want to go into to what you can share. It's not written up or published yet, but it's complete. It's been written up. Right, right. Yeah. So that, you know, study took us. It was, it was kind of a tough start with it. Um, our goal was to use uh, blood flow restriction with low load and compare it to traditional resistance training at what we call high load at 80% of a 1RM. We wanted to do it originally in NFL players. We found that was going to be too challenging based on their schedules to do it even in the off season. So we we're going to do it just in professional athletes from all sports. We started that. And they were so flaky that I pulled, pulled the trigger to get out of that one and said, nope, we can't do it. Um, and so more as a proof of concept, we still wanted to test, you know, that hypothesis of low load BFR in healthy individuals. And these were young individuals um, that we ended up doing it with. We had 40 uh, participants and they're randomized uh, which leg receives uh, BFR and low load and the other leg would receive traditional resistance training. And we were just doing hamstring curl. We focused on the hamstring so we can just look at that. And it was for six weeks. It was only twice a week training. I think ideal might've been three times a week, but twice a week training. And basically uh, without giving all the details because we're about to submit the, the paper on that. But you know, we looked at leg power, we looked at um, you know, leg strength, uh, we looked at endurance and all for, you know, hamstring group as well, and even uh, muscle damage. And basically, there are no differences between groups that there were similar improvements in leg power, leg strength, leg endurance uh, for the two groups. So it really suggests even in healthy people only doing 
training twice a week uh, with BFR and low load, you can get the same uh, results as training with high load or 80% of a 1RM. And we were doing 30% uh, with BFR compared to the 80%. Um, and again, healthy, young, healthy population with that, but at least we have pretty good numbers with uh, 40 participants. And, and uh, so that's why, you know, building off that and moving into what we're trying to do now and, and use it more in, in the recovery. But for those that get hamstring injuries, we know that's like the number one injury in many sports that involves running and, and definitely in the NFL, they've said that. And that's why they're looking to receive proposals uh, to come up with ways that they can treat the players that have hamstring injuries. And so yeah. this will be a... a that's so. Beautiful concept from the injury side is if, if you did this for six weeks and you saw very similar power and streak changes to lift and heavy, we can, we can implement this very quickly after the hamstring injury. And, you know, the six week window is like almost even perfect lines up with what our training intervention might be with these people. So it, it's kind of like a chip shot. And I'm, I'm glad you got it done in time for when I have to do the oral defense or we do the, I don't know who's all doing the oral defense for the grant, but at least we can say like, yeah, we have looked at this. Um, you, you used 80% limb inclusion, I think across the board. We did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone yeah. pretty much tolerated it. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't have anyone drop out. Everyone tolerated it at eighty percent occlusion, and we did the 30, 15, 15, 15 for the sets yeah. uh, with it. And uh, yeah, and again, these are you know healthy, young, active individuals, but still, it was great to see. You know, I I didn't know for sure would we would it be enough of a stimulus to get uh, changes, and that they were you know similar between the groups was. Uh, you know, great to see in, yeah. in healthy individuals. And use Nordboard for testing, um, isokinetics as well. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. good stuff. Kind of exactly what I think we're submitting as well. Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, cool, man. What about, so segueing then, because you do have a lot of experience in this geriatric space, what are your thoughts? Like we're looking at a, a trial um, potentially with, with total joint and, and protein supplementation with BFR. Um, I, I think it's going to be happening this year, but what, what are your thoughts from an anabolic standpoint? Do you think, you know, the, the addition of BFR combined with some of your anabolic things is something worth looking at, or you, you've well, already done that enough with lifting heavy and. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to see that. I mean, you know, everyone talks about what, what is the mechanism, you know, for hypertrophy and strength, especially if you've got a BFR model you're working with. I mean, some people talk about time under tension or metabolic strain and, you know, what, what, what really uh, is working together there to result in hypertrophic changes and strength changes. And, you know, there's different papers out there supporting, you know, different concepts and mechanisms, but I think, you know, we're at a point now with blood flow restriction, looking at combinations with anabolic agents and whether it's just protein itself. I mean, I've done a lot with testosterone and other derivatives that would be interesting to look at, but, you know, simply a protein supplementation, we know that amino acids themselves are, you know, an anabolic stimulus and, and, you know, what's happening with the ischemia reperfusion in an environment, you know, even if it's an older adult, we know they have lower you know, anabolic hormones. And while some would say you don't need hormones to get hypertrophy, well, it's optimal, you know, to build muscle mass if you have hormones on board. But even if you have like an older adult that has lower anabolic hormones, 
and then you're supplementing with protein and doing BFR could be a, a great model to increase muscle mass and strength in older adults just to help with you know, activities of daily function and, and uh, being active, which is so important as we get older. And um, I'd love to see some of that data that's coming yeah. out. You know, Chris Fry last on our last podcast, he talked about a paper that just came out where, you know, he looked at the responders versus non-responders in the elderly to lifting and, and really the, the low non-responders when they retrospectively looked back uh, at one of their measures was that the low capillary bed density, um, just not enough capillary to muscle fiber. And, yeah. and that seemed to be what held them back. And, and it seems like it almost could be the same thing from an anabolic side. You know, you got people who have lower or higher probably levels. Do they have to kind of get at this baseline to get a response? Because that, that's the thing, you know, we're going to be doing all these older trials, geriatric trials, joint trials. And, you know, some are going to start low capillary density. Some are going to start maybe at a different anabolic level. Right. So in, in some of them, BFRC, people are like, why did they work for this person? It did for that one. And I think those are the variables that we don't think about sometimes. Yeah. And it's hard to control a lot of those, but if you can, it's yeah. great. Or at least evaluate them and see, you know, did this person have high levels of hormones, low capillaries and, you know, BFR will stimulate increased capillarization in the muscle. Yeah. And that would be great. And then that increases satellite cell activity, which contributes to protein synthesis and augments, you know, hypertrophy. So there's a lot of mechanisms there that would be great to look at you know, kind of at the cellular level and understand it better. And, you know, a lot of clinicians are, does this work? I just want to put it on and get my patient better, but not necessarily, they don't know the mechanisms there. They just know the outcomes. And, you know, my side of it, I love to understand the mechanisms and would yeah. love to see data that supports, you know, kind of the cellular stuff based on muscle tissue and blood work. And I, I think another thing, just to segue off of this is, you know, you mentioned the muscle damage piece with it. And so we, we put a position stand or, or, or I forgot, they changed the name to Corrigendum or some, some crap. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. we, we put it out um, and, and one of the sections we wrote, it was really, we don't see any issue with muscle damage with blood flow restriction. If it is, it's, it's usually just, you know, maybe too much volume or some people just do get muscle damage, but overall we didn't see it. And then uh, a bunch of folks over in, in Europe, Vern Boom and them, they, they put an editorial out kind of slamming that that part, which that was the one part of our, of our whole position stand. I didn't think anyone was going to go after it and they did. Um, and then we put a rebuttal out that we don't think so. Um, you, I don't think you really were able to capture much from a muscle damage side. Were you in this? Yeah. Part? Um, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I've done a lot considered muscle physiologists in some respects. And I always talk about the importance of exercise induced muscle, damage for adaptation and growth and repair. And I, I got to tell you the first time, here we go, Drew Marcos again, he's back in the conversation, told me, oh, you don't, you don't get muscle damage if you use BFR. I'm like, no, you got to have some muscle damage. You're not, you're going to not get good turnover muscle and growth. He's like, no, no. And he couldn't tell me why, but uh, <laughs> you know, so we, we, we uh, looked at that and, you know, we, we use a soreness scale on our study and both groups had similar soreness, which on a scale of zero to 10 was somewhere around two, 2.5, which is very minimal for muscle damage. And especially when you're targeting the hamstrings, that can get pretty sore. So that was kind of surprising um, that it was that low. And then uh, we also tried to use multi-frequency bioelectrical impedance analysis, BIA basically, which most people think, oh yeah, I do that to get body composition. 
Right. Well, if you use multi-frequency, you can actually try and look at differences between intracellular and extracellular water. And there's some publications out of Europe that used it to quantify muscle damage based on phase angle changes, which you get with bioelectrical impedance. Again, multi-frequency bioelectrical impedance. We did that and... Uh, you know, we did see some changes. There's a lot of variability with it, and I'd like to do a larger study. Um, but again, it, it showed minimal muscle damage, which would support your, you know, perspective that with blood flow restriction, you don't get a lot of muscle damage. And I, you know, personally, you know, I think about it, well, if you're reducing blood flow to the muscle, it's ischemic, you know, the type two fibers are going to fatigue quicker, they're going to get stiffer, they're going to be more susceptible to damage, but you got to remember the loads are lower, so they're mm -hmm. not going to, you know, have that same uh, mechanical strain that causes them to, you know, break or uh, be injured as opposed to the metabolic strain really isn't going to damage the tissue. You could have some proteolytic changes there, but um, I agree with you. We don't, we didn't see in, in the day that we have much muscle damage at all. Yeah, I, I think it'd be an interesting larger trial if, if you were able to get some of that data. Jake Nielsen over in Europe, you know, they did a biopsy study with it. And it basically, it, it was like a false signal happened where the body thought there was muscle damage. It got everything ready for it. Uh, but then when they actually looked at the muscle fiber, there, there wasn't damage. But, you know, you were seeing macrophagia, neutrophil, up, you know, upregulation and this ECM starting to upregulate but yeah. there wasn't true muscle damage. So it could be, you got the signal um, without the actual damage. And, yeah. And that, you know, again, that that's part of probably the pathway to say, Hey, let's create an anabolic response here. Even though there wasn't as much damage itself, it's still right. bringing in the mediators to create, you know, a hypertrophic response. Yeah. Because for, for me, I remember when they came back at us, my, my first response was who gives a rat's ass. I don't, you know, most clinicians don't really care about muscle damage. We're not, you know, right. we're like, oh my God, I broke Miss Smith off. I hope she's ready to play in two days or whatever. But, um, you know, we get this a lot from the teams, you know, like how much is this going to potentially cause muscle damage? I got a guy that's, you know, he's an NBA guy, he's doing it, he's got a game in two days, or some of these guys like to do a pregame for analgesic effects. Um, and that, that's getting more and more popular. And the big question we get is, how close to game can they do it for muscle to actually, you know, damage and muscle recovery are different. Um, you know, they actually can get back to their to force, but that's a, that's a study. I think a ton of teams and athletes would be very interested in is what happens after BFR is there muscle damage and how quickly does the actual muscle maybe recover to get back to this baseline sort of strength if you do it. Um, so that, yeah, that's your no, next study, I, man. Some great ideas there. Like I said, earlier thinking about, you know, I have a number of students that are proposing, you know, <laughs> BFR studies and we got to choose which ones we want to do and, uh, but fun stuff. And there's going to be a lot of good stuff coming out for sure. Cool, man. Well, I don't want to take your time forever here, but if you have any future studies in mind, feel free to throw them out now. If, if not, I think you and I got to get working on a grant here pretty soon, man. Yeah, we, we do. We're, uh, we've got less than two weeks to get this uh, NFL grant in for the yeah. hamstring study. And uh, I think it's looking good. Hopefully uh, anyone, you know, listens to this next time you uh, hear about it, we've got something going and, and hopefully yeah. we'll have good results down the road. But, you know, if we can 
get as many teams as it looks like we're going to have when we get the funding for it. We're going to have an excellent study to look at the influence of blood flow restriction on hamstring recovery in uh, this will be college athletes, primarily uh, football and track athletes, and then uh, can be applied to, you know, all sports and, you know, hamstring injuries. Well, and I think not only from the BFR standpoint, having this many teams doing a, a structured randomized trial, we're going to get a lot of interesting data, even outside of BFR. You know, if we get the entire SEC and Pac-12. This might be one of the biggest hamstring studies in the states, at least. I think it. Um, I think it will be. Uh, yeah. That most recent yeah. review paper. I think they only included what six hamstring yeah. trials that were actual like intervention trials for this person had an injury. We're trying to treat it. The 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 the, the data out there is really small. So if y'all get all these, if you get this going, it's potentially the largest hamstring trial ever done. Yeah. And we're yeah. gonna get return how quickly cool. they return to play and re-injury rates and injury kind yeah. of patterns and all sorts of things. So so if you're listening those, NFL, fund us. Well, yeah. All those gray hairs on your uh, goatee there are worth it. Yeah. yeah. He's talking about you, Johnny, together. not me. He's not talking about me. Yeah. yeah. Johnny. Uh, well, cool time. Man. Great hairs. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, brother. I want yeah. to uh, I want to honor your time. And, and that was a good stuff, man. I can't wait to see this paper and, and more studies you do. You guys check out um, Todd's lab out there. Go to his website at USC. And if anyone is interested in applying to a badass sports science um, spot, I, I would highly recommend it, but you, you're up against probably a lot of competition. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great program and, but love, uh, uh, anyone interested reaching out, whether it's research or, you know, looking at the PhD or master's program, happy to have them. Awesome. So. Great. Appreciate it, brother. Hopefully Thank we'll you all be in person. All right. All right. Take care. Thank Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Owens Recovery Science is a single source for PTs, OTs, ATCs, DCs, MDs, and other medical professionals seeking certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com.